Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Over a year ago, our staff kind of had a, a few hours away to have some fun. Okay, And these are simple days that we go away just to kind of be together to build our team. And, and, and one of the activities that we did that day was we went to the airport, uh, Tuscaloosa Airport Park, just to play some disc golf. Okay, now, none of us were any good, right? But we had a good time, we had laughs, we just enjoyed being together. Now, for 90% of the people, that was a first-time thing. And it was a last time thing. But there was one person in particular that this wasn't something that just went away that day. It didn't just come and go. For one person, this became a minor obsession. For one person, this became a hobby that not only was he obsessed with, but because of his, his obsession, I started to get educated over and over and over again. See, for those that don't know Bradley, our worship leader, if you don't know him real well, Bradley doesn't do anything halfway, all right? This is why, frankly, he's good at a lot of things. Before that day, Bradley has zero ambition towards the game of disc golf. But all of a sudden, Bradley had something that was going to take his time in life. And because I was his friend, all of a sudden I learned that disc golf has apps. All of a sudden I learned that disc golf has different colored discs. And they're used for different lengths, for different um, scenarios. I learned that there's improper, improper ways to throw a disc golf. I all of a sudden got some videos sent to me with professional disc golf players when they do something spectacular. I've been corrected in his office for calling them frisbees and calling it frisbee golf. After Bradley experienced disc golf, he was hooked. And I want you to get this. That day, we experienced the same game with, at the same time, at the same place, with the same people. But Bradley walked away with a completely different experience than me. And I was thinking about Bradley and his disc golfness as I'm thinking about this week. I'm preparing for this week. That, that this has been... There's been a consistent theme through the last, let's call it, five weeks of this series. And if, and if you're here the first week, you'll remember that I told you about the day that I put my contacts in my eyes the wrong way. You remember I put them in the wrong eye, and because I did, it kind of ruined a, a morning in my life. And until I corrected the contacts, I really wasn't seeing things in life really well. It affected my vision that day. And I use that story, once again, if you remember, is this is a picture of God. That when our vision of God is off, everything else in life will be off as well. That we need to have our vision corrected so that we can see God differently. And I'll go back to that first week. That when we see the truth about God, 
it changed my life and it changes your life. That was week one. Well, that day at the airport park, Bradley saw something he had never seen before. And his vision changed because of that day. He had never seen and experienced this game that many people had seen and experienced before. But once he saw it, and he saw it in a way that I didn't see it, it captured something in him. And the other side of it capturing him, his life honestly was lived just a little bit differently. Because all of a sudden he would go different places and play different courses. He started a small group so you could join him in playing disc golf with him. He spread his joy to people that were around him about disc golf because new vision of something always changes how we live. And we've been talking about through this series is new vision of something always changes something in how we live. Now last week, we made a transition. We made a transition from the previous three conversations. We made a transition from uh, our relationship with God to our relationship with others. We started the conversation about how do we love our neighbor as ourselves. If we are going to live the life that Jesus has called us to, we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so last week, I said part of the Seafield Act concept we've been going through is we need to see the truth about others. We need to see them how God sees them. We need to see our neighbors as people who need us in their lives. That we need to have new vision when it comes to seeing others. Let me tell you why this is so important. Like, you get why I'm preaching this. We've got the see, feel, act stuff going on. Let me tell you why this is so important. When we see the truth about others, our hearts become engaged with those people. We begin to connect with those people in a way that we have never connected before. Now, I know this has happened in your life before. This is kind of a concept that runs through kind of everyday circumstances. Tell me if this has happened before. You got in an argument or something happened with somebody else and you were so frustrated, maybe even to the point of anger. You didn't understand why they did this. You're mad that they did this. But then, all of a sudden, you had a conversation with them. Or... Somebody told you a story or something about their life. And when you learned something new, when you saw them differently, has it ever happened where your frustration and maybe anger turned into empathy? Has it ever happened? Or, or maybe, what about a group of people? That a group of people, um, your just opinion of them, you just didn't really like them you ever had an opinion about those people and then when you spent time with them you listened to their perspective and even if you didn't agree with them completely 
they all of a sudden became people instead of the enemy. They became real to you. See, I think we've all had this experience in our lives, and when we see the truth about others, when there's a new vision of someone, it changes how we see them, and then it changes how we live with them. And I told you last week that there's a thread of Scripture that's going to run through all of these messages. If you're new this morning, this is kind of a six-week package. It started, um, um, it started at the beginning of February, and we're running to next week. But I told you in this th the second three-part, there'll be a scripture that passed through, and we're going to look at that again, because it's in our next part of the Sea Field. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 10. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read it for you again. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And replied Jesus, he tells a story. And we talked last week how Jesus taught was primarily through stories, through parables, right? So here's a parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away and left him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity. Now let's stop there in our story today. Last week, we focused on the first part of the story, where Jesus was showing the difference between kingdom values and worldly values. He's showing the difference between the religious leaders and the Samaritan. And he pointed out that the way to live was to see that man as your neighbor, to open your eyes and have new vision of people. Well, today, I want to highlight not just the new vision, but what happens when the Samaritan had the right perspective on the man, and how we see it is that very last sentence. He said, when he saw him, look at vision, when he saw him, he took pity on him. When he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, that word pity, used in the NIV, is a word that like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to say. I'm just going to be honest with you, so can I spell it for you? It's important. This is the word. S P L A. G-C-H-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. -I. You can see why you let me off the hook, right? Like, I, I, I'm sure I could figure it out. It would take me all week to practice, and so we can spell here. So this is the word used, and it's used all through the New Testament. Let me tell you, though, the NIV, I'm not sure they get the word right in this. Different translations, people translate. I think the better way 
is used in other translations, this word means compassion. This word, I think the better way to say it is when the man saw him, he had compassion. What Jesus is pointing out to the Samaritan, that he was right, because when he saw the man in need, he showed him compassion. The Samaritan was used as the example in the story because Jesus is training up his people to live the life that he's called them to live. Which brings me back to the see, feel, act concept. Once again, this is your first Sunday. One of the desires of my heart is that one, we know Jesus as a Savior, but we spend our life trying to become more and more and more like Jesus. This should be a life goal. That we should, in, in the words, once again, I'm going back a little bit, the words that I felt God gave me several years ago is how do we see, how do we feel, and how do we act more like Jesus every day? And so once again, last week, I told you already, the words were, we need to see the truth about others when that happens. When we really have eyes to see people the way Jesus sees them, we will feel compassion for others. This is something we should see, a transformation in our life. This is something we should see as, as a new lifestyle for us. Because hear me on this, if we are going to love our neighbor as ourselves, we need a heart engaged with people so we can feel compassion for them. Now, in order to have compassion on people, I think we need to get on the same page of what compassion really is, because I don't think compassion is just a feeling. I don't think compassion is just this passing feeling that comes in our life. I don't think it's just an internal thing. This is how I function, I'll tell you, in compassion. This is the definition I work with, is that compassion means to suffer together. It's a feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. That is compassion to me. And I think through this story, Jesus is putting a calling on his followers to see others in need in a way that necessitates action. Many of us have eyes that see needs around us, but does it move us to the point of actually taking action on it? I think we need to see this if we're going to be followers of jesus then we're going to need to live differently i want to tell you jesus demanded us to live differently we often talk about the grace of jesus the love of jesus the forgiveness of jesus the mercy of jesus the power of jesus but i want to tell you jesus demanded that we live life Differently, if we're going to be his followers. But the thing I love about Jesus is he never asks us to do something he doesn't do himself. This is the great thing about Jesus. He never asks us to do something that he isn't willing to do himself. And Jesus had the credibility to say to his followers, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to see them for who they are on, in the eyes of God and then show compassion because he did it. He lived it. 
all I had to do was just do a quick search in the New Testament to see the places where Jesus was moved by compassion, which led to action. Let me just throw some of these out there. These are the places I saw. Matthew 9, 36. You may want to take a picture of that or write it down because you may want to look these up. Matthew 9, 36. Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 15, 32. Matthew 18, 27. Matthew 20, 34. Mark 1, 41. Mark 6, 34. Mark 8, 2. Luke 6. 7.13, Luke 15.20. There are stories in there. Many times through the Gospels where it shows that Jesus is with people and it says he was moved with compassion to the point of action. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to see Jesus. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to get a picture of who Jesus is. Cook. So can I give you a picture of Jesus? in regards to compassion, and just read you a few of these moments. Matthew 9, 35 and 36, it said, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you see this? He saw them and was moved in compassion. And if you read the story, you see how he engages it with them in his life. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've been here they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. This is just what Jesus did in everyday life. They've been hearing his teaching and they haven't had food. And he's like, I have compassion on them. What follows that story? You know? He feeds the 5,000. He does another time. He feeds the 4,000. He has compassion which moved him to action. Mark 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. This is what Jesus does. He sees people in their pain. He sees people in their suffering. And they come to him and he leans down and he touches them and he heals them. Last one, Matthew 20. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them. Notice real quick, they don't have the vision that Jesus has. They rebuked him and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want? What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, their answer, we want our sight. Jesus had, what? Compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Let me tell you, Jesus wants us 
to have new vision of people so we can be moved by compassion, which leads to action. He wants us to have new vision. That's why we had to talk about it last week. But we need to not just have vision. Our heart needs to be connected so we move to compassion if we are going to be followers of Jesus. And we see a picture of Jesus. Did I give it to you? I give you a picture of the life of Jesus, but there's a problem. There's a problem with this whole thing. Jesus did it, so we know we should do it as followers of him. I think we can agree on that. If Jesus did it, and he called us to do it, then we know we have to do it. We can agree on that, can't we? But the problem is, speaking for myself, in the power of Scott... I have a very hard time living this out. Honestly, this morning, it's really hard for me to empathize with everybody. It's really hard for me to not have my biases. It's hard for me to not get annoyed with people and have my opinions about said people. It's hard for me to feel the pain of other people if I haven't walked through that pain before. It's hard to understand where someone else is coming from because frankly, I just don't agree with them. It's hard to step in the shoes of other people all the time. And sometimes I feel like Jesus is asking a lot. Do you ever feel Jesus is asking a lot? This is why I have to own this truth about my life. I cannot love my neighbor with compassion without the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me to make that happen. Jesus had the capacity to love people naturally. It was Jesus. He could do it. But I don't always have the capacity to do that. You know why? Like, I've got tunnel vision. Like, can I, like, you allow me to be honest with you this morning, right? Like, I'm just, I'm me up here. I've got tunnel vision. I am selfish. I have weight of life on me, and sometimes I just want to live in survival mode because I just need to get through things. Sometimes I just don't like somebody. Their beliefs, their, their decisions, their personality. Like, I've told you plenty of times, I'm just, I want to be real in front of you. This is who I am. We are in this battle together in life. I feel and think a lot of things that I will never share with anyone, which is why I need the Holy Spirit. If I am truly passionate about living the life the way Jesus called me to, I will ask for the Holy Spirit to transform the part of me where I am not like Jesus. I will need to ask the Holy Spirit to transform those parts in me that aren't like Jesus, which is why I've gone back 
several times to a psalm, gone back in messages before, because a, a, a very crucial text in my life is found in Psalm 139, is David's words where he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of, as, uh, way of everlasting. Because you know what? I need to tell God I know me. I know Scott. I know there are things inside of me that I will never live the way Jesus did. I will not have compassion on people the way Jesus did. Unless you search me, see those parts of me, speak it to me, and then empower me to live the right way. I need this in my life. Because I don't want to live life the way the rest of the world lives. I just don't want to do it. I want to live the life that Jesus has called me to, that he has shown me how it is done. I believe there is a better way. We've been talking about a guy named Paul throughout this series. Paul believed this, and he needed to speak to the churches of how to do this. And one time he was speaking to the church. He wrote a letter to the church in Rome that was forming. And this is maybe how he put it, the better way to live. In Romans 12, 2, famous text. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, pleasing, and perfect will. I need God to show me so I can live it out, but then I need the Holy Spirit to come in and empower me to do it. That's when Jesus told us to see the people the way he saw them. And he didn't just tell us, but he lived it out. But I'm simply saying, if a message can be simply put this morning, we can't live this life outside the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we just need to own that. So I have a couple questions for you this morning. Simple questions. But I'm asking you personally. I'm asking you, not your neighbor. I'm asking you. Do you want to live a life of compassion like Jesus did? I want you to be honest with yourself because I have met people, I've had conversations with people who the answer is like, not really. I don't like people enough. Do you see what they do? You see what they've done. You see who they're... I don't want to give them compassion. I don't want to help them. Okay, that's a conversation for another day, okay? But I will tell you, if that is what's going inside of you, I get that battle, but that's why we need to ask God to shape our mind and our heart because instinctively, that's how we all feel. You're not alone. The difference is... is 
Are we going to allow God to shape our heart and our minds? Are we going to live the way we want to live? But let's say we do want to live a life of compassion the way Jesus did. Then the second question, or second statement is, then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you opportunities in your life every day and empower you to do it. And let me tell you why this is so important. One is, I will never let myself off the hook of not pursuing the life that Jesus has called me to. And every time you show compassion in Christ-likeness, you are walking out the life that you are born to live. And that is incredible. Until we be, begin to live the life that we've been wired to walk out, we will never find that completeness in life. We'll always be wrestling. When you do this, you're living out the life of Jesus. But the second thing is that when we do this, we have the opportunity to change the world the same way Jesus did. When we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we do the work of Jesus, we get to be part of a movement that started way back then that's continuing into history. And if you're looking for purpose in life, there is no greater purpose than to say, God, help me see people the way you see them so I can live a compassionate life the way you lived because the world will be changed. And at the end of my life, I'll look back and I'll go... I did what Jesus did and the world is better because of how I did it. This is what a life that you, you've been called to since the moment you entered your mother's womb. You were created. You were seen. You have been grown and we all have different experiences but we are all called, I'll say demanded by Jesus to say we will live life differently. But we won't with other people until we have the eyes of God in our life of seeing people so that our heart can be connected the way Jesus' heart was connected to people. It is not easy. People are tough. I don't like people every day. And I'm considered a loving person. But I'm telling you, in Scott... I struggle. So what do I do? God, empower me by the Holy Spirit every day to not just see people, but to be moved by compassion, which leads me to action, to make a difference in my neighbor who's struggling, who needs me, and I don't care what they think, what they believe, what they look like or act like. Because Jesus didn't care. Don't get me wrong, I care about how people act. I care about how people live. But I'm trusting as God uses my life. Maybe they see Jesus in me, and that's the outcome because I had compassion. And so we're going to close in worship as we always do. My challenge is that you will begin to ask the Holy Spirit, do this in me. That you will take the command of Jesus and not take it lightly. That One Hope Church, may, if it's the only light in the world, fine. I don't care because we don't live the way the world lives. That we'll be a light into the world and it won't just be, oh, I saw that, I felt it. No, I was moved compassionately. And when people see you, they know if 
if he or she sees it, they'll do their best to be Jesus in this. If you are struggling with this, as we close in worship, just ask God, help me, because you're just like me. We're all the same in here. We're all the same in here, y'all. Ask him to do a work in us that we can't do in ourselves. So Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus for salvation. Yes, we need the salvation of Jesus. But God, thank you for sending Jesus to give a picture of how life should be lived. Because God, we are born and wired and created to be, be just like Jesus on this earth when we're empowered by the Spirit to do it. And we want to change the world so your name is honored in this world. Your name is glorified in this world. Your name is magnified in this world. So life, people's lives are changed. May we be a part of it, but change us first. Help us see the truth of others so we feel compassion for others in the way your son Jesus did. Use our church in supernatural ways as we live in your supernatural power. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.